sorry. No, that's not your fault. It's me. I'm not getting self-conscious about it. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Ivor. My name is Mallory. And thank you so much for listening to This Is Fine. On this podcast, we explore and discuss experiences and insights from our lives and how they relate to mental health. To help foster conversations on how to move through life with more awareness, adaptability, and a little bit of humor. <laughs> so, the topic for today is hmm, something that I oscillate between comfort and discomfort. Exploring how comfort is the enemy of growth. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Juicy. Juicy, yes. I pulled two tarot cards, one for... I asked, what is comfort? And I asked, what is discomfort? The, for comfort, we have the elder, which is often known as the emperor. With this card, the first thing that drew my attention is the book and the, the elder giving me a sense of wisdom, of knowledge. And in the background, there is looks like the Alps. And in the foreground, there is like the first word that comes to mind is like a, an adornment of flowers the feeling i get from this is the more you know the more you know how much you don't know yes i love that <laughs> right right yeah i think so i think also when i briefly showed this to you mm. before we recorded you said wisdom oh yeah wisdom and right. um I, it's interesting that this card came up reversed um it coming up reversed to me had that energy of like so if maybe comfort is feeling held or safe or something mm. like there is someone like this elder holding us and protecting Ooh. us, right? Which, you know, hopefully there are those people in our lives who bring us a sense of comfort and safety and security. Yeah. But it coming up reversed was also like, but you know, <laughs> but you know, you, you can never be like full, you know, that this is not like a static state, right. you know, and that, and also I think what I, I felt about it was like an inversion of the ideas about comfort, like a change in perspective, which I'm sure we'll get into. Oh, yes. And for the discomfort card, we have the eight of fire. So the eight of fire is something that's very dis like jarring to me. Because there's a, it feels like it has a bit of an erratic energy, and I guess that connects for me because comfort goes with um, order, and discomfort goes with chaos. And mm. this eight of fire has a feeling of like there's a lot going on. So it's one figure repeated in different directions, running towards or away from, just moving. A lot of movement happening in the in the picture yes movement i think all of the eights in the tarot for me suggest movement mm. and oftentimes this card is it's the eight of wands in many decks and you often do just see these eight wands soaring through the air right and um, i think this is kind of a card of chaos and unpredictability and like it's like there's this movement of life force and energy and we don't know exactly where it's going and we can't control it. We sort of have to just adapt to the flow and and move with it. Right. So these cards really do kind of suggest to me that idea of order. The elder or mm -hmm. the emperor, it's card number four. We associate fours with structure. So it's interesting how this card came up uh, for comfort because oftentimes we do feel really comfortable when we have a structure a set of rules we know what's going to happen and then this is like reversed feels like elder ancestor wisdom that says 
you really don't know you what's really. going to happen. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of really love, I bow to these cards. <laughs> I do too, because like chills just ran through my body. Because <laughs> yeah. one of the things that I wanted to say with the elder card was that there is a structure to it before you even said that, that that's the feeling that I got. But also something that I've said before is that all structures are unstable, yes. essentially. Essentially, structures do collapse. And you getting it upside down has that, you know, similar energy. And that was quite interesting. Absolutely. For that to happen. Like these structures are not as stable and, and firm as you think. Yeah. And that and also that just the idea. I was thinking about chaos this week because uh, oh, a new friend of mine and a tarot reader, mm -hmm. um, their name is Nick Kepley. They sent out a Patreon sub, uh, piece about uh, yeah, about how really everything stems from chaos, even order and structure. It emerges from chaos. The more I explore that those themes in my life, the more I see chaos is a necessary component to order. Necessary yeah. and inevitable. Inevitable. Like we can't really escape <laughs> change <it>. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when when you when I say the word comfort, what do you what comes up for you? Safety coziness, mm. ease, a sense of security, mm -hmm. and maybe like a lack of discomfort, a lack of pain. A lack of pain. Interesting. Mm -hmm. mm. For me, it comfort is closely connected to a little bit of escapism. Oh, yes, me too. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> there's when, when I find myself in comfort, when I find myself wanting to just lay on my bed and and either look at social media or play a game or read something that I've read before or watch something that I've watched before, there's a little part of me in the back of my mind that knows that I'm escaping something. And there's, yes, it's comfortable to lay there, but there's also that discomfort where I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think that I think comfort is necessary for establishing states of security and safety, but also... I, I also am prone to disassociating and numbing out when I feel unsafe or really charged, uncomfortable. Mm. And I seek comfort uh, in ways that can disconnect me. The, the problem with that is then I am not allowing myself to tap into what I'm feeling. Ooh. What is the discomfort? What? How does that feel in my body? Yeah. And I'm not giving the that discomfort a chance to be and then discharge. Right. So it ends up sitting there, and it I think that's building. why you feel like you're com you feel comfort, but then you still feel discomfort because it hasn't had a cycle. It hasn't had a cycle. Thank you. The reason I got thought about comfort is because we had our last episode. We had spoken about procrastination. Procrastination and comfort are closely linked. You can't procrastinate and be in discomfort. Or is that statement too bold? I think I procrastinate when I'm in discomfort. Because procrastination is part of finding comfort. It's part of a process where you are comfortable, where you don't have to think, where you don't have to face something. I guess I would add one step in the process because I think one thing we talked about on the last episode or something I had been exploring was mm. procrastination as a freeze response. Mm. Procrastination is this state of sort of immo immobility or inability to function in a way. So it's a freeze and then from that, then one option we have is to seek comfort in order to perhaps establish some safety 
then ideally, I think, move out of that free state into a place where we can then do what we need to do to or do. what we want to do, right? Instead of being frozen. Okay, so I'm probably jumping ahead here, but something just popped into my head and it's about comfort. And, and I don't know what you said that triggered this for me, but let's say that someone is used to all their life in uh, used to dysfunctional relationships. Therefore, your brain gets trained that that is the norm for relationships. That means that that is comfortable for you. So when you're faced with something else, something different, that is the discomfort. So for someone that is in an abusive relationship or continues to choose abusive um, relationships, whether it be platonic, uh, romantic, boss, or anything in that relationship or con- interconnection with people, that means that their dysfunction is comfort. They seek that out. Their pain is comfortable. It's the other side that is discomfort. Right. So, you know, what does that mean for what discomfort looks like for everyone? You know what I think this is? Uh, Lately, I'm experiencing this disillusion of binaries, how binaries are illusory. Like there really is not this either or to anything. And so comfort, discomfort, they're not opposites. And I think we flow from these states of comfort and discomfort constantly. And what is comfortable or feels safe for one person could be very uncomfortable or very unsafe for another person. For another. So do you think that people should seek out discomfort? And let me just preface this by saying, I don't mean in a situation where you feel uncomfortable for your safety. I don't mean in that way. I'm not saying, oh, you should go and live like on the edge and stand in front of a, you know, in the middle of the highway or whatever. I'm not saying that, right. okay? <laughs> not something with, that puts your body in harm right. or your mental state in harm. Um, I'm talking about a situations or experiences that push or challenge your normal way of doing things. Yeah. I think one example that came to mind when you suggested this topic Mm. was as a white person like i have to seek out discomfort around that around whiteness and let me just say i often often wonder how you feel or other white people feel that when we have discussions that relate to race and racism and and that kind of stuff because um i am light-skinned and i also feel a little bit of a like uh, I know that I have privilege in some ways because I do know how the society sees me um, compared to someone like Kim who we are both colored people that but she's darker than I am you know mm. little things like like that is something that I'm also like it is uncomfortable to think about to 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 totally to sit in. <laughs> of course oh. yeah I so to answer your question I constantly feel uncomfortable about (laughs) being white. That doesn't, um, at this point, that doesn't mean that I'm, I don't feel uncomfortable in a way that freezes me. Mm. Like to me, going back to that like freeze response, in the past when I was, I think, carrying a lot of white guilt Mm. and like hadn't, hadn't, confronted that and, and processed any of that then it was like i think i would get really really uncomfortable yeah. and then like freeze which is what a, a, i think a lot of white people do over the years i mean i'm this is a lifelong process um 
I'm really grateful to have in my life people of color who feel safe enough to talk about racism and white supremacy and colonialism with me as a, a white American, uh, white you. settler from, you know, so-called United States, um, because I learn a lot. Mm. And I and I also learn a lot from my discomfort. So even talking with our very good friends, sometimes I notice like, oh, something is something about this is very charged. Yeah. And I could uh, get defensive here and I feel I want to get defensive. Yeah, yeah, totally. I can feel the defensiveness in me. Then then it's like, OK, well, that's a charged state. So what I must do then is not disassociate from that. Uh, I want to sit with it and try to understand what where is this discomfort living in my body right Mm. now you know these things that maybe aren't so languageable but if i do that then it has a chance to then discharge and i can continue to cycle through that right the the discomfort cycle (laughs) of like being a white person in this world especially a white american in korea in korea where i i also have so much privilege here you know luckily you are one of those people that ask about this kind of thing because I tend to not surround myself with white people. Mm. However, when I do, it's white women that are easier to 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 converse with compared to white men. That's been my experience. I, I don't know if that is absolutely the truth for everyone. However, um, three of my very good friends are white women. It's Winsome, Jessica, and now Mallory. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And all three are extremely open in, in conversing about this kind of stuff. And that make, gives me hope. <laughs> mm. Gives me hope in a world where we uh, it's, it's becoming winter. It's easy to slip into comforts, to just get home and uh, try and order takeout and just watch a TV show or something. Yes. It's very easy to just not work at the things when the physical environment makes it that much harder to try so yeah so you're you're talking about like this season that we're about to enter Mm. and how yeah it it is easier to slip into that at this time definitely yeah Yeah, so lately comfort for me looks like yeah like i said watching tv shows i've watched before cleaning also is comfortable for me it helps me escape not very special i guess can i I ask a question about that yeah i would imagine that because you your home is really important to you mm. and the the state of your house, you know, and how it how it's ordered mm. and how clean it is is really important to you. So I'm curious when you say that cleaning is an escape mm. because I I would think that maybe cleaning is a way of moving and that I mean I'm wondering why that why or how that feels like an escape versus like a sort of I don't know, like a somatic experience. You're using your body, you're using your hands while you're going through something uncomfortable. Yeah, so all I know is that if I feel a sense of unease, Mm -hmm. dis-ease, then I will reorganize things that I can. Is that a problem? I don't know, but it is something that is linked to procrastination. Yeah. <laughs> because whenever I am faced with something that is complex, that is not ordered, then I then I run away and do something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, not so much after we had our conversation about procrastination, I have been better at sitting down and doing the work, sitting down and studying Korean, sitting down and writing and ignoring 
the perceived chaos around me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. So that to me, that's like you're you've developed some flexibility also with your environment. Yeah, like because I think it can be very hard to work and do like do our work if our environment is we if we perceive our environment as chaotic. Yeah, I think some people for their work need a really orderly environment. I sort of need a balance of both, both like yeah, i see, sort I've of need that. yeah it's a balance <laughs> I, and i like i that. have like a like i've described to you my creativity is very chaotic to me that seems like a skillful way of being with discomfort oh I've it never seems thought skillful of it that way. to me mm. huh maybe i'll embrace it a bit more <laughs> unless you're finding like oh i'm compulsively cleaning or you know yeah. i mean it sounds like also you're aware that this is a delay tactic and it's a form of your procrastination and that's that's all good but <laughs> i still go back to the fact that i think many times we we procrastinate because there's some underlying need that we're not we, we haven't met yeah i think i'll meditate on that because it <laughs> okay. makes there's a bit of like discomfort when you said that because obviously there's truth to it and i really like that so i guess when i'm editing this episode i'm going to be like i'll have that double you know because <laughs> i have to listen to this again yes um there's a question that I want to ask you and then also want the listeners to consider is what comforts are you not willing to let go of? Oh, wow. Mm. This one is like making me think a lot. Um, is there some discomfort happening? <sighs> Maybe. So there's something that I read or listened to, like I listened to a bunch of TED Talks and, and read some stuff about comfort and discomfort and that kind of thing. And one phrase that really stuck out to me was that the things that we hold on to are the things that are holding us back. So I was thinking about what kind of comforts, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, things that I do that hold me back. And when it comes to like romantic relationship, relationships or relationships, no matter like the spectrum of where you are, like you've broken up or you're just friends or limerence. Um, mm -hmm. situationship and entanglement or you know as people say these days there is a comfortability there as as much as it sucks for people as much as is it frustrates you there is a comfortability there because we keep going back there <laughs> so you're saying one thing you're not willing to give up is certain relationships one thing that, that... i find difficult to give up is certain relationships and i think it's because I'm not willing to. Going back to what we said before, or what I said before, if you want to do it, you'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, it's like, you know, you brought up the toxic relationship dynamic mm. earlier, and ah, that sometimes right. those, like, if... <laughs> And I really resonate with the idea that if I feel like I really couldn't, like, let go of a certain relationship, there's something to acknowledge in that. Okay. <laughs> so for me, like, there's a very big reason why I am not friends or at least... Well, I'm not friends with exes. That doesn't mean that I'm not, that I'm not friendly. It just means that we are really not friends. Because there is... A, a line that you have crossed, a comfortability that you that you have with them. Intimacy is not something that I give out to everyone willy-nilly. I'm not that kind of person. So that connection, whether it be intimate, sexual, that connection is for all of us something special, sacred, and a vulnerable state. 
it's hard to let go of because it's not every day that it happens. And there's discomfort in letting that go. That is something that I, I, I let go very quickly because if I don't, I will not let go. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. You will fixate and, and perhaps cling or yeah, cling for the, the kind of sen- sense of comfort that you had in that yes. within the container of that relationship. I thought of an example of a comfort that I wouldn't give up mm. or I want to give it up, but I feel like I can't, right. which is coffee. Oh my gosh. Even though that's very interesting because this goes back to the like, is it comfort or discomfort? Because I find it very comforting to have coffee in the morning mm. and I, I'm addicted to caffeine. I'm aware of that. So I need that. But really the co- coffee is not having a comforting <laughs> effect in my body, right? It's it's yeah. very much activating certain parts of me. But that's something that give, then gives me like an energy that I can use for the things that I want to do in mm. my life. And it would be very uncomfortable to give up coffee because I would have headaches and I would feel really... I think a lot of pain, physical pain and physical discomfort and also probably some emotional, a lot of emotional discomfort because I really like rely on that in on many levels. So I don't know how I would give up coffee at this point, but I want to. <laughs> you know what? I agree with you on the coffee thing because I know when I had COVID, I didn't drink coffee at all. The headaches from... Yes, the COVID happening, but also the coffee, the withdrawal, that was quite intense. And um, I think very specific to me is rewatching shows that I know. That's a comfort that I find extremely hard to give up. Oh, me and, too. And by rewatching, I don't mean I sit there and watch it. It is playing while I'm going around the business of being an adult. I have the same question I did before about the cleaning. Is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because I find that when I have a structured plan of what I'm going to do by the time I get home, then I don't put it on for comfort. Then I'm like, 6 to 7 is this. 7 to 7.30 is this. 7.30 to 8.15 is that. All these things that have to happen before 10 p.m. If I don't do it immediately, the moment I get home then I'm just slipping into comfort, then those things don't get done. Then it feels like I'm wasting my potential. As you were talking about rewatching shows, Mm. something I've noticed about this, I do this as well. I'm very aware that rewatching shows is a, and something that we haven't named, but that's really important is that when we talk about comfort, we're also talking about nervous system, like tending our nervous system, being aware, like having awareness. And when we turn on, you know, something that we've seen before, it is engaging in kind of this uh, uh, checking out and escapism where then we aren't in connection with our body a lot of the time. We aren't in connection with, with what's happening in within us. And I don't know about for you, but the content of the shows that I rewatch are very much rooted in these very comfortable status quo mainstream ideas. This is just for me. I'm thinking about like, I love rewatching sitcoms and like a lot of American sitcoms anyway, you really uphold 
these values that don't align with what I want for my life and don't align with my like queer journey and my journey mm. as oh, like a you know powerful person i'm just looking at like they're so heteronormative and they're so and it's changing a little bit because i'm i'm rewatching more recent shows but i notice when i'm really feeling distressed i'll put on these like older sitcoms and there's something going on there where i fall into this world of normativity I'm like, why am I rewatching like Parks and Recreation, for example? Perhaps it's it reminds you of a time that you felt safe. Sure, I think so. When I was safe and I wasn't disrupting and life my was life, comfortable, you know, yes. like I wasn't like <laughs> trying to dismantle all the stuff in my life that's not me. That's you know, I just you. was like, I'm good with this. Things weren't complex. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, we spoke a lot about order and chaos. And uh, I want to know is how do you balance the two? Hmm. <laughs> That's the challenge, isn't it? Because <laughs> I, think I find I that... I struggle to balance those, I think. Or let me put it this way. <laughs> I, it looks like you are balancing them. From the outside looking at you, it looks like you are. I don't know what's happening personally or internally. But you have a lot going on, but you still you still come off as someone ordered. People always say this to me, even though it's not accurate. Yeah, that's been learning a lot about myself through astrology. Mm-hmm. And I think I have within me the ability and the skill, a skillfulness around calling in order to hold chaos, but it is very hard for me. But I, I guess I would say that I need structure and order in some areas of my life in order to uh, be with the chaos. They go in hand in hand and awareness of that is the key for me. So for example, like this summer, that was a very chaotic month for me. I didn't have a daily structure because I had a month off of work, which I've never had in my entire life. And a lot of my daily structure just went out the window. I was staying up really late. I was sleeping in. I, I didn't really um, eat as feeding myself regularly and feeding myself nourishing food. I just, it was very chaotic. And because I have tools to understand that, mm. that's, you know, like I have the structure of mentors and, you know, people in my life who give me a reading or we have a conversation they're like yes this is very chaotic right now and and also that's okay but you know the things that you know that that swing the pendulum back right Mm. that we're never actually balanced we're just always moving oscillating you know structure is really important for me going to bed at a certain time really important um journaling every day at least a little bit really important because if i don't do it you know, it's week we've talked about with habits, having habits and rituals that I do at, you know, regular intervals is so important. And when I'm not doing that, then I really feel all the chaos. Then and life falls into chaos. Yeah. And then the chaos can be a, a cool place to be sometimes, um, but not always mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and not over a long period of time, because mm. then I feel like I'm really... Like by the end of that month, I felt really out of out of balance, out of alignment, like, out of alignment. Definitely, <laughs> I had to call myself back through structure, right? And rituals. Interesting. What about you? For most of my life, or at least the parts of my life that people see, I do 
like order. It does make me comfortable. However, I find specifically that I'm looking to introduce a little bit of chaos into my life. How so? So what I've been doing by I'm looking at my habits, like let's say, for instance, you know this about me. I do not like cooking. There is a comfortability. There is an order to getting home, jumping on an app and ordering something. Now, in Korea, getting takeout does not necessarily equate to unhealthy food. Right. I used to use the excuse of it's just it's time saving. I'm, I'm you know, I'm writing and I do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But now I've actually realized that the reason I don't like cooking is because there's a lot of unpredictability in there. Yeah. There's a lot of complexity in there. So I've decided to rather embrace that complexity to force myself to rather do that because I know that the reason I don't want to do it is because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? So that's one way in which I have now at 37 years old <laughs> have decided to be more adventurous and to cook it's not like i couldn't cook before it's that i didn't want to do it i feel like there's like a really interesting cookbook in here like, <laughs> like not to do that thing where you're like you can make something out of this and sell it but i was just thinking like i want to hear your stories about like how cooking is like your entrance into like zones of chaos i'm really into that idea i mean is, but isn't that the thing <laughs> like going to the gym for the first time for instance for anyone it is extremely uncomfortable because you do not know what you're doing until you try and try and try and stop worrying about what other people think mm -hmm. and you essentially make order out of that chaos mm -hmm. and the same thing it is with cooking and the same thing it is with uh, uh, discovering an, a new relationship with someone that there is a like can I say this what you know what have I done or is this okay is yeah. this a boundary? Like all these things that we shy away from, it just means we're not living. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm not saying like, go talk to the creepy man in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I do remember this one time I was in a club and there was this, this person that took up a lot of physical space and uh, he was just in the corner sniffing poppers. And I'm like, what's happening? This is weird. <laughs> I found that like, yeah. I wanted to talk to him, but also like, you're just standing in the corner being creepy. Mm. And can I just say that the word creep is only ever used on a man? Yeah. We never describe women as creepy. That's interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. Anyway. Women are psychos. <laughs> Men are creepy. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. If you look Let's at like popular music, <laughs> if you look at popular music, the, the love songs men make are a little bit creepy. And then the songs women make, like Mariah Carey's Always Be My Baby. <laughs> Is a little bit psycho. <laughs> Think about it. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Um, so how do you understand discomfort? What does it feel like? Where does it resonate in your body? It depends mm. on the experience. But I guess... I think generally I feel it in my uh, stomach. Mm. Like this kind me of too. the center of me. Yeah. Um, it, when, especially if it's something that is like, I'm, I'm aware, I become aware that there's an emotional discomfort that, that tends to live in my, my solar plexus. Yeah. Or, or Stomach. even like lower, like, but definitely the center of me. And sometimes discomfort is headaches and like neck pain as well, or shoulder pain. That's more if it's like, I'm feeling distress or stress. Stress. Same. Um, then that really lives like in my shoulders and neck or head. 
for me, it's my back, but okay. yeah, upper back, thoracic spine. See, I think the reason that we feel discomfort in our stomach is because the, I don't, I, I completely forgot what this is called, but I understand that the cells in your stomach or your digestive system share a connection with the cells in your brain. Mm -hmm. This is when you feel something happening in your brain, it manifests in your stomach. So that's what's happening is when we feel discomfort, it's because your brain is experiencing complexity. Now, our brains, yes, are extremely complex organs. However, it is also an energy-hungry organ and it automatically regulates something that is a habit to 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 use less energy so or it makes things habits so that you need less energy or focus to try and do something like to wake up in the morning to do your routine mm -hmm. is a habit because you do the same thing every morning mm -hmm. most people do so you don't use lots of energy in the morning to do that it just like happens without you thinking about it but when you're faced with something different your brain has to now use new neurons right. and it has to use new energy. That discomfort is when complexity is introduced to mm -hmm. your brain. That's the way that I understand it from listening to this podcast by Andrew Uberman called the Nero. Oof, I can't remember what it's called. Andrew Uberman is a psychologist at Yale, I think. Okay. Yeah. And I listen to that every week and I've learned a quite a bit about how the brain works mm. and that's how i understand physiologically why we feel discomfort and when we can understand that perhaps that's a gate for us to open or for a, a pathway for us to go i'm i'm not scared i'm just experiencing complexity my brain is just not used to this i just need a little bit more practice yeah and maybe that gives us courage to explore something that is not the status quo for us yeah 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 it, it's it's like flexibility flexibility and that yeah. that makes me think of you know like neuroplasticity that you know we can change these we can form these new these new pathways yeah. and connections uh which i think yeah it feels really scary if i think about a lot of those <laughs> A lot of that process, it feels scary. Um, yeah, but, very but scary. But we are very, yeah, we're flexible and adaptable. Um, and I, But I think that's where also then the comfort comes in. On the flip side, how can we give ourselves comfort uh, in order to sort of stretch our, I don't know, like even like our window of tolerance, right? Mm. Like that which like feels like a an okay amount of chaos or activation, you know, in order to get through our day, mm. uh, how can we like stretch that and grow that? Ooh, it must be in small ways. <laughs> it you, you many of us don't have the capability to go cold turkey and just jump in deep dive. Mm -hmm. I do in certain areas of my life, and then I do, and I can't do it. For instance, with like if I procrastinate on exercising, like today I did, and I decided, you know what, I'm not going. I got dressed and everything, and I'm not going. But I decided you've, you're out of the house. So what you're going to do is you're going to walk at the very least. So I spend an hour walking. At the very least, not fall back into the old habits. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least. Okay. So this is, a, this is not a tangent, but it's, it's sort of, I've a been challenge. thinking. It's a, no. Uh, so our closest subway stop mm. has 
a huge staircase, right? Oh, Those I steps hate, are, hate. it's so many, I don't know how many steps it is. Because it's a military it's, bunker, so it goes really deep into that. It's a lot of steps. <laughs> so, you know, we have the escalator and there's mm. also an elevator. Mm. And today when I was coming home, the escalators were, the up escalator was off right of course and it so, was <laughs> so then i see like people filing towards the elevator not everyone but some people and i was like oh well you know i'm i'm having like i am still having some lingering covid effects you know oh but, yeah i get it yeah you know i felt like this immediate impulse to go to the elevator i don't know i guess i guess i just was this impulse to take the elevator instead of the steps and then i was like why wouldn't you take the steps just do that and it was really it was really fine. And once I you, walked up all those stairs. And, and once you started, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal, right? <laughs> yes. Because thankfully, you know, like I'm, you know, Oops. that's okay for me. I can do that. My body is able to walk up that amount of steps. And um, yeah, I just had to convince myself to to just go that route. Yeah, no. It was I, not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. But but honestly, <laughs> like having COVID, it, it does challenge you. Yes. Having yes. had COVID, it does challenge you in ways that you did not expect. Do not expect. Yes. And you've had it twice now. so Yes. And now this is the second time I'm having those lingering effects, um, effects just sort of shortness of breath. So I was, it was, some of that was concerned for that, but more I was just, I was fascinated by my immediate impulse mm. to walk to the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> not I mean, even to consider taking the steps. <laughs> I, I like that. I mean, you were pushing yourself, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. So yeah, that's great. That's, yeah. It kind of makes me think about like what I want to transition into is, Everyone has felt the feeling of stagnation. How do you get out of stagnation? What do you do when you when you feel stuck? I've talked about this a lot, and I talked about this on another podcast okay. with my friend Jonathan. I think everyone has different responses mm -hmm. to states of stagnation, and I think sometimes we can't avoid that. I think that stagnant states and stagnation is part of the experience the, the ebbs and flows of life i think when i talked about this before i was really moved by a chapter of a book about the astrological signs darby costello she was talking about how we need stagnant water that there's a lot of life and growth that occurs in stagnant water like swamps and bogs hmm. and even for some time now i've been really like fascinated by bogs and kind of swampy messy when i think about stagnation i often think about i feel like i can't move and it's like moving through water that just has so much going on it's like i'm getting tangled in the weeds of the swamp of mm. my life or or stagnation is like i'm going through i'm having a sort of melancholic experience and i can't i don't know how to move out of that so it's hard to do the daily things sometimes it's hard to get out of bed um, sometimes it's, you know, not frequently these days, thankfully, but yeah, sometimes I do find myself in this period of stagnation where I am seeking out these comforts, watching sitcoms, ordering food more than cooking it for myself. And I think one of the things is movement, like physical movement is probably the number one thing that. It's also not the first thing I go to towards. Usually what I'll go towards is my tools that feel really nice mm. for me, like tarot and like my journal. And that's helpful. But really, I, I often find that I can't I can't move through the stagna stagnation if I'm not physically moving my body. Mm. And, and also like working with 
plants that facilitate like the movement of the fluids in my body really super important for any kind of stagnation oh i like what i'm hearing yeah because i think that i just through trial and error have discovered similar things Hmm. is that if you feel stagnant and you're in bed just get out of your bed literally just move out of that space for me it extends further i take at least a 40 minute walk yeah yeah it extends to that no matter i'll try and do it in the winter as well um i'm pretty good with with moving my body I'll stretch, I'll do something. But movement is an incredibly powerful and underrated tool for facilitating emotional movement. Yeah, I just had this thought like a lot of times when we're stagnant, I think we're carrying things like grief, big feelings that are living in us and they haven't been discharged or processed or like conversed with. Mm. And so... Sometimes people can't get out of bed because of that. And I, I so I I also always want to talk about how it we're not like we don't heal and grow in isolation from other people. So I had this image, too, of like me, like laying in my bed, unable to get up and like calling a friend, mm. you know, or like when I, I felt that way, uh, even through the course of our friendship, which is somewhat new, mm. I've had some moments, some hard moments. Oh. And then like you not knowing that like reached out and we ended up taking a walk or doing something and like that that also like connection Mm. friendship and love loving connection is a huge thing i think i mean i i'm just speaking from my experience um that helps me to Mm. move when i feel like i cannot oh that's lovely that's wonderful i didn't know that and (laughs) that makes me feel very good (laughs) we've taken some very like healing walks oh that's wonderful (laughs) That's wonderful. Yes. And I guess I needed it too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a there's a nice synchronicity that I, I love about our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do agree and want to bring in specifically mental health. And I understand that um, depression looks different on everyone. And many people cannot get out of bed. Yeah. And do need motivation or do need the help of someone else if you're feeling isolated. And for me, whenever I feel isolated, I tend to isolate myself even more. Yes, right, right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I have to force myself out of my, my home and force myself to walk where I see, even if you just are surrounded by people. Mm-hmm. That has helped me. And you tend to reach out anyway. Like, I've noticed that when you're in that state, you'll message mm. like, ah, I'm angry. I'm feeling this way. I'm, yeah. I should take a walk. And yeah. then I'm like, yeah, <laughs> take I, a walk, Ivor. Pe- people should, um, not should, I, I would, I would advise people to express that they're feeling sad, but also be open to someone helping you. Because a lot of the time, I realized when I was a kid, if I felt like sad, I would sulk. And so I still have that habit of sulking when I feel slighted or hurt. But it probably was the safest thing for you to do as a child, right? That was like your child self keeping you safe and expressing in a way that wasn't going to cause more harm Right, right? Because being seen as a quote-unquote sensitive kid, sensitive was code for gay. Mm. As a kid, you don't know that, but you feel that. You feel that they're saying, oh, he's just sensitive. It's never said with a good intent. It's never said as a strength. Mm -hmm. And now my sensitivity to people, to myself, to my surroundings is probably one of the greatest strengths that I have. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to 
just share with you some three ways in which I have discovered through like listening to a lot of podcasts and TED Talks about comf- comfort and discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I do understand that when I listen to podcasts and when I do quote unquote research or to TED Talks is that most of the time, these things are actually meant, th- this advice, these books, these methods are actually meant for people who are privileged, who are yes. a level of income to their dis- disposal. Their privilege protect the- protects them from certain things in society that other people are not, are not protected from. And they're meant for business owners, CEOs, yeah. entrepreneurs, people that have the money to buy the book, people yeah. that have the money to pay $2,000 for the, the, the retreat. And so a lot of the advice, even though yes, or their discoveries, yes, it is, it is true or is connected to us as humans and our nature, it's not relatable to the average Joe. So I find it frustrating trying to connect it with us compared to what they say. Yeah. Yeah, maybe um, you can help me with this. <laughs> well, lately, I think I think as you were as you were sharing that you were talking about the sort of some of the layers of privilege, mm. um, and yeah, thank you for saying that because totally, it's over over the years I've tried to Self-help more specifically stuff. curate my consumption of material around issues of wellness unwellness health and um, self-help and those kinds of things i try to intentionally uh consume the perspectives of people who are marginalized Mm. and even disabled there's a lot of it's it might be interesting for you and others i mean there are many people who are currently kind of shifting in this way but i think when we talk about things like mental health and health in general wellness uh and what that even means Mm. i think we have to start turning to disabled people for their perspectives on this we have to because that is so powerful and that's often not the the who's as you pointed out the, the target who audience are creating these sort of mass produced talks mm, and programs of motivation and, and books and... are not yeah as you say it doesn't translate to most humans' experience because uh, I was thinking about this recently and listened to an amazing podcast called For the Wild mm-hmm. um, and. There was an inner, the host was interviewing an educator who speaks about wellness and who just said that they were talking about the concept of claiming unwellness and claiming, claiming these ways in which we are not well. Or, and I think this relates to comfort, discomfort, because, like, you know, I think about people who have chronic pain. Oh, they're living with daily discomfort. Yeah. And so, that their perspective is going to be very different from my although I do have chronic pain but not on a daily basis that's so our lived experience is very different and th- as soon as we can all sort of kind of start expressing here's the here's the the ways in which I'm like well mm. enough or like I'm I'm well in this way I'm unwell in this in mm. this way and then, okay, so what do I as a as a person and in this specific body need in order to 
like do these kinds of things like move out of my comfort zone and you know pursue something else we all are in this process but it looks very different for everyone for yeah we have to i have to acknowledge that mm -hmm. it is something that i feel slowly but surely feel um sensitive to is that as much as i was poor growing up there is still someone out there that that I can't even fathom their life situation. I had a parent, a mother who saw the wealth of, of knowledge mm -hmm. and who would always give life lessons and provide knowledge for us in terms of books and, and meeting new people. And if it wasn't for that, where would I have been? And that also is a privilege that other people don't have because maybe their parents had to work three or four jobs and is too tired or physically does not have the energy to also then do that for their children. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. Yeah. Well, and we inherit these things. Like I, when you said that, I thought about my own mother because she, she did raise me and my brother. She worked multiple jobs. Mm. She didn't have like what I would call um, a healthy <laughs> quote unquote healthy you know mm. um uh, routine around a lot of things i mean in some ways yes but a lot of the ways that i seek comfort are the ways that she does oh did yes. and does i inherited that that's real i have to sit with that i look at that and acknowledge this is also part of like the pool from which i emerged and now as a uh, an adult human, I'm trying to like bring in my own, you know, balance mm. or move into discomfort that's going to bring joy and, you know, potential and creativity and it feels scary. Yeah. And then I know, okay, I'm going to go turn to these things that feel comforting. And what's the root of that? Yeah. What's A the lot root of times of the root is my childhood home oh yes and my family of origin <laughs> yes that's it's for all of us <laughs> yes. so much can be traced back to your eight-year-old self you know us being able to sit across from each other talking like this is a privilege that many people do not have mm -hmm. so yeah let's take solace in the moment um and i also want to transi transition into the three things that i think how people when you are stagnant is that you can introduce complexity to your life. The first way that complexity is introduced to your life is that life just happens. And if your life isn't uncomfortable at the moment, just wait a little bit. Something will happen. Something will go wrong. <laughs> yeah. so in, that's just part of life, yeah. you know. There are situations that, that has happened relatable to other people, to you, is let's say, for example, life happens and you have a boss or a colleague and the situation is causing you distress and it is extremely uncomfortable. That's life just happening, right? Or you're in a small accident, life is just happening. And the immediate thing that I find myself doing is, is blaming other people, is going, it's that person's fault and I'm feeling the complexity, I'm feeling the uncomfortableness, I'm feeling the anger because of that person. All of that of that person. Yes, it has a, it has a place However, I am also in control of, of how I act. <laughs> you know? I'm feeling really like triggered right now. I know. Because <laughs> life does describing this. describing my work <laughs> situation right now. Mine and is it's the very same. real. That's very real. Yes, continue. <laughs> um, so 
I think a, a good step would be to analyze where your autonomy is over your own, over yourself and your feelings and how much of that you can keep sacred. Yeah. How much of that that you can focus on instead of other people. Energetic boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is so that complexity or chaos will be introduced to your life all the time. And the sooner we get comfortable with it, I think the better we can move through our lives. Yeah. I agree. And and I don't know if this is something that's that's a bit dangerous to say or uncomfortable to say, but I think if people practice or remember that chaos will invariably be invariably be introduced to your life, that it may be another way to understand anxiety. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because anxiety is thinking about the future and all the possible things that could happen and you don't know. And that sits with you the whole yeah. time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm saying it in a very like dumbed down way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the way that I see it because my anxiety does not extend to, to crippling anxiety. I think that understanding that complexity is necessary for life, then you might look at anxiety in a different way. Yeah, I think that's a really growing um, conversation, especially as like we're sort of collectively, I notice calling into question more the DSM and the process of labeling um, someone mentally ill and like who that serves to do that and like what really is anxiety. These are like very rooted in empire and supremacy and so i do think that when as we continue dismantling the structures around what we define as mentally ill or mentally well and maybe blurring blurring those again it's a binary right yeah. as we dissolve the binary i think you're onto something there that mm. a lot a lot of like Surviving capitalism requires us in many ways to escape chaos, to seek out ways to to escape like the sensation of chaos in our bodies because we don't have structures built into our lives and our societies and and many communities and to uh, process and express that. Yeah. So we suppress it in order to be a worker to be a functional quote unquote job yeah. and you know earns their company a bunch of money that we don't get um yeah <laughs> like i so i think you're right that that's like i'm like bringing like a i feel like i laid like a like a bubble over what you said like <laughs> i this feel is it. my mercury and sagittarius i'm like here's a big picture yeah. like orb that i want to like throw onto no. what you just said but i totally agree with you're, you yeah i i find so much like connection in that because it, it immediately made me think of like the epidemic of suicide in this country is it epidemic or pandemic it's a, an epidemic of suicide right when i don't i'm not sure about the but it's a huge issue it's a huge in korea, issue right? in korea yes. where workers are overworked and it's this culture of like the longer the wor- you work the the more valuable you are never mind the actual research that sh- that shows that you <laughs> you're only capable of doing productive work for so many hours not even eight hours a day less than eight hours a day yeah. so the rest is just wasted time and that's because of capitalism yeah so 
yeah, I do connect with what you, the bubble that you're throwing over my. (laughs) (laughs) What's number two? Number two is you can introduce or there will be someone that introduces complexity to you. Mm -hmm. Because our natural state, like I said before with the brain, is that we tend to divert to order and comfort. So you need someone from the outside to, to quote unquote challenge you. Um, which is what I like about our relationship is that mm. there is a there is a, a little bit of a challenge. There is a let's read or this book, and I'm like, oh, Mal- Mallory is probably going to ask me about this book, so I'm going to read, uh, you know. And so, or the book you recommended to me, where yes. I was like, oh, I didn't think about it that way, and I literally wrote no on several <laughs> parts of the book, like no, no, no. 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 There we go. <laughs> I'll show you later. Okay, I like that. I like that. <laughs> So you do need someone else that would help you if you want to grow mm-hmm. and you can share that with them and go, okay, can you check in with me or can we do this? Let's say uh, for this week, we hold each other accountable for taking three hour walk in total of the week or whatever the case is. And you hold each other accountable because essentially that is a goal that benefits both of you. Wait, I have a question. Yes. Isn't that introducing more structure versus chaos or complexity? Well, because um, the reason why that's complexity is because you would default to not doing it if you weren't held accountable. Okay, I see. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's like, because you're, yeah, you're, you're trying to create new pathways. Yes, new pathways. Which also becomes order then it makes me think about dopamine and about like oh yes yes like like uh the yeah there's such a rich opportunity for us in connection with each other to open new pathways Mm. maybe things that feel scary or a little wild or not familiar yeah into the the unfamiliar territory the unfamiliar and the unfamiliar as scary as as it is you no one's no one has ever said that when i feel like I've grown the most when I'm the most comfortable, when I'm sitting back doing sure. nothing. No one in life that has ever achieved something, their story has been, oh, I just sat back and did nothing. Right. I, I didn't work hard. No one says that. Right. So the fact is growth, inspiration, creativity happens in chaos and complexity. Yeah. And if I think about chaos, I also think like, well, okay, if I'm choosing to do something new, I don't know how that's going to turn out. I don't know what all the factors are. I also don't know how it's going to change my life or me in mm. ways that I didn't expect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just thinking about, like, there's there's a writer, Sophie Strand. She she decenters the human experience and, and talks a lot about queer ecology and was discussing recently kind of chaos and that actually, of course, all order and structure comes from chaos that was the origin of this life that we're living yeah Mm. it's i'm thinking about like rewilding our lives even Mm. which to me is the same thing as introducing chaos yeah or introducing complexity it's like adding different things to the to the soup what brilliance and creativity and new kind of life form and life force can come from that when you do that i think a lot. A, a lot. lot. And what do you discover about yourself in those situations? Yeah. Yeah. That's often the scary part. That is often. <laughs> I, th- I think that's the scary part. Yeah. It is for me. Yeah. Which is the great way to go into the, the last one okay. about complexity is that you have to trigger it yourself. Now, the way that I look at this is what's happening right now in Iran, if I'm not mistaken, right? Is that 
those women have been living under an order and the order was killing them it is and it is stifling them yes and they introduced chaos by themselves to change things we look at um the order of how things was with racism in the states and how i can't remember this this lady who did it before rosa parks but let's use rosa parks as the example the order was for her for her to sit in a certain place or to do something and she introduced chaos by not doing that right but it actually wasn't chaos because it was very a very structured like organized effort you know but i do you mean was was that... was she did she plan it and like oh, okay yes. this is the everyone everyone's a lot of people are misinformed about about rosa parks and oh, that right. they okay. think like oh she was just this lady who one day decided to sit in the right. front, at the front of the bus that's actually that's not, not true. the case okay yeah no that was she was part of organized movements like yeah yeah, so yeah that... it's like it, i'm like finding this weird i'm having this experience where i can't even define order and chaos exactly because they're so what is it what is that is that order or is that chaos it was a, an inciting event okay right yeah so but still there was organization in iran as well yeah they're there's orga- organization they are yes. organizing as a group as a group to to disrupt protest and disrupt yes yes so in that disruption there is complexity and chaos that is brought to the order the order of things that was the status quo okay so they're, they're breaking down one order by an organized chaos <laughs> yeah yeah let <laughs> yeah, me put it that way yeah mm-hmm. so i would say is the most difficult way is to introduce chaos by yourself is to go and seek out or for example I'll I'll use my example of always exercise but when I feel like I don't want to exercise that's when I know that I have to do it oh because you're becoming aware of your resistance my resistance and then yes. what that's telling you what, what that's showing you yes and what habits I'm reverting to mm-hmm. is that I don't want to sit down and write this then I go write it okay the minute I realize that that I'm running away from it then I go towards it and i've often found that's when the the best work comes i yeah. like i like the word you used disruption like mm. i think that that's a great word cuz it's yeah you you are aware of the or, the order of things the structure of things this is not working or i don't like this mm. or i want this to be different how can i disrupt this yeah how can i disrupt that yeah yes yeah those those are the three things that i wanted to three tools that i wanted to present to people that maybe they could think about mm-hmm. is introducing complexity to your life it's like either it's going to happen or number 2 you can form a pact with someone or a connection with someone and you introduce or hold each other accountable accountable for a goal and the third one is try and do it by yourself that one is the most difficult i must confess do you mean try and do it by yourself or you know what i like it's like be the disruptor ooh i don't like disruptor. do it by yourself cuz okay. we don't do anything by ourselves oh yeah life isn't yeah so it's like we're actually not like these individuals doing things by ourselves ever this is not a diy <laughs> it's but i think like i like the the just these words came to me like be the disruptor mm. i like that okay. it's like uh i don't know how you feel about that um No, I like it. I mean, you you may have noticed that I always disrupt conversations with like something <laughs> weird or comedic, right? 
Yes. <laughs> uh, but also on a more serious level, I think you're always like you're like discerning what the systems are mm. and you actively choose to disrupt the system. I do. That's great. Oh my God. Yeah. You just made me realize something. Yes, I do do that. Like for instance, at work, another example, the people that I know are are uncomfortable with talking about like gayness or like queerness or whatever. Mm-hmm. I will specifically call them girl or like, hey, Mary, or like I will, I will just yeah. make it and, and speak about queerness to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or like you've said before, like at your job, you're often the only one who's willing to talk about the white supremacy that's happening there. Yeah. I'm looking really quick. This is very quick, but you must do I, I'm looking at your natal chart <laughs> because I wanted to know where you have Uranus because actually in my the astrology course I'm taking right now, mm. we just last week were talking about the outer planets and Uranus. And when we talk about Uranus, we, we like a lot of that has to do with, I mean, disruption mm. and uh, electrical kind of like this sh- sudden, sudden uh, shift or the introduction of chaos or... I start, I've started in relating Uranus to anarchy. And Ooh. we talked about like queer chaos as it relates to this planet. And I think also like to rebellion, there's a, there's a link because when Uranus was discovered, it was a period of time when the people, the people who were uh, granted the, the privilege to like define what Uranus means, mm-hmm. right, were, had a lens uh, and we're in an experience of a lot of rebellion and like I chaotic, see. disruptive change. And so I wanted to look at where you have that. Ooh. You have that. You have. You were. You were born with Uranus in your seventh house oh, of so relationships. Is... So that's super interesting. <laughs> I d- mm. I do challenge and disrupt people's. <laughs> I don't know. This makes me very like to think about it. Makes me feel a little Are you bit uncomfortable. uncomfortable? <laughs> Wait, Ivor, can you do something? Yes. Can you just sit for a minute and like listen to your discomfort? Yeah. No, it's it's true. <laughs> it's it's true. <laughs> it's not that I don't like that I do that. I find conversations much more interesting when I do that. Mm-hmm. Because usually I have in the back of my mind where people are talking about something. I'm like, if I want... To suddenly die of boredom, then I'll contribute to this conversation. However, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> so I either say something funny or something weird. And I think this is just a final note because we were talking about things you can do. And um, a tarot reader once described like, uh, I think I'm, I mentioned this to you and I don't know if I mentioned it on, on the podcast, but there were, there were two psychologists who were interviewed on a podcast and they're also tarot readers. And mm. they said, they said that one of the things that uh, tarot offers us is that it can shock us into a new way of thinking and that like shock or sort of revelation, it kind of feels like the similar energy of disruption, which can, which is also chaos. Like when I work with tarot, I'm engaging chaos in a way because I don't know what cards are going to come up and it's quote unquote random, but I am in an experience. I pull a card and then, oh, okay, what is, what's there from the, the well of all potentialities, you know, that, that is like being expressed in this deck 
what's the one that comes up? Mm. And like, can that like shock me into a new perspective about my situation? I think that that can be a way of working with discomfort, at least for me. If we have these tools, sometimes it's okay to like approach it from different ways, like approach it mentally, approach it, you know, emotionally, physically. I think always for me, that's the hardest one. So I have to work harder to be aware of the physical I like I like what you said. It's kind of like assess your life. Take a take a take five minutes and see what's the hardest thing for you to do and then question or sit with it and go why? Mm-hmm. What is the resistance there? Mm-hmm. Usually that thing for you to do, it's where a lot of growth or the answer to to a question you didn't even know you're asking mm-hmm. <laughs> often lies. It's the decision to do the tarot reading with you was also me introducing complexity into my life, not knowing what will come out of it mm-hmm. and how I have become a much better communicator because of that one e- event. Hmm. And I didn't know that I've been seeking to be a better communicator because I have so many things that I say and most of it doesn't need to be said. <laughs> Some of it doesn't need to be said. Um, so l- that experience has taught me discernment so i can attest to that cool okay i think it's about time we wrap up our discussion on uh complexity chaos comfort discomfort disruption disruption. (laughs) (laughs) is there any final thoughts for you my final thought is i want to encourage myself to both and i i'm in a place now where i'm trying to expand my comfort zone um and keep growing through discomfort and at the same time, I want to honor the gift of certain forms of comfort that we give ourselves and not necess- and maybe some neutrality around that, mm. even if it's something that we've moralized, mm. like ordering takeout or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's holding like space for the, for the complexity of uh, shedding of some binary around these principles. I'm not saying we should run away from comfort it is needed for us it is needed for your mental health however too much comfort can also be debilitating Mm. so introduce if you can introduce some complexity into your life so if there's anything that mallory or i said that resonated with you please uh share this episode with someone uh send them the link mallory's on social media at at Mallory Dowd on Instagram. Yeah, thank you to all our friends for always listening and supporting us. All right, then everyone, have a wonderful evening. Thank you, Ivor. Thank you, Mallory. Bye-bye. Bye.